Hey, welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, the go-to business management podcast for Australian bookkeepers running a business. Tune in for practical lessons, inspiring stories, guest speakers and resources to help you work smarter in the way you do business. And now your host, Amy Hook, is here to help you build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love. Welcome back. And today I'm going to be talking about an interesting topic. Let's get straight into it. The topic today is why bookkeepers shouldn't do their own bookkeeping. Now, I'm not saying this to this topic to um, particularly try and push people's buttons, although I know that it might. Um, I know in the past when I've had these types of discussions at ABN meetings and things like that, that I tend to have a lot of people quite strongly disagreeing with me. And I'm cool with that, obviously. And I'm here going to talk about it today. And I've got basically three reasons why I think that bookkeepers should not do their own bookkeeping. Now, if you're a startup bookkeeper, I'm not especially talking to you. So if you're, I'm talking more to the bookkeeping business owners who still do their own bookkeeping. Um, And also, I guess, potentially the full up bookkeepers who I would say it's now time to start thinking about outsourcing your own bookkeeping. Now, Uh, I've felt quite strongly about this for a number of years. I do not do my own bookkeeping. I have not done my own bookkeeping for a number of years. And I have my reasons for that. And I have also heard the arguments against what I'm about to say. So what I'm going to do is put forward my best um, argument of reasons of why I don't think that you should be doing your own bookkeeping. And then it's really up to you, obviously, to decide whether you agree, disagree, or some kind of mixture of both. Maybe you'll like some of the points and some of them you might not agree with, but that's cool. Um, My heart behind sharing this isn't to tell anybody off or, you know, tell people what to do, but more because I see it as something that will bring some change to overall to our industry and to you as a business owner. So I feel that the onward effect from this type of conversation, I feel that there's good things to come from this for our industry as a whole, but also for individuals and their practices. So before I tell you the first one, I'm going to tell you the argument against it (laughs) first, which might sound a little bit funny, but one thing that I've heard, and actually just to backtrack quickly, I can tell you that I've only actually spoken to one other bookkeeper. I know a lot of bookkeepers and I only know one bookkeeper that doesn't do their own bookkeeping. Now, um, it might be just because the people that um, have outsourced their bookkeeping um, have not told me or maybe I haven't had that discussion when they're there but I have personally only ever spoken to one bookkeeper who says they do not do their own bookkeeping aside from me so um, the argument that I've received from many bookkeepers is along the lines of 
it's just quicker for me to do it. Um, and after all, that's my profession. So that's what I'm good at. And I would honestly rather do my own bookkeeping and the money that I save by doing my own bookkeeping, because I can get it done really quickly and put that money towards paying someone to, you know, come and clean my house or something like that. So what we're talking about here is my first point, which is really about what is the purpose of bookkeeping? That is, I think that's a question that needs to be answered before we can decide whether we should or should not be doing our own bookkeeping. Now, a lot of people think that bookkeeping is data entry, entering transactions, GST codes, um, you know, allocating expenses and, and things like that. They think it's bank reconciliations. They think that it's BAS preparation, that it's payroll. Um, there's all sorts of things that people might tell you if you ask them what bookkeeping is. So, but really the general crux of it is that it's about recording financial transactions um, so that whoever does the financial reporting, whether it's the bookkeeper or the accountant or the client themselves, it's, um, you know, it's about recording the financial transactions of the business so that other information, other things can be done with the data. Well, which might be compliance, it might be business decision making, there's all sorts of different things that the, that the numbers go into. So the bookkeeping is really about, you know, keeping the books, bookkeeping, <laughs> um, keeping the books. So basically, um, for those who are of the younger generation, the reason it's called keeping the books is because many years ago, we used to actually record transactions in a literal book. Now, when I say we, I mean other bookkeepers because I am not of that generation that ever um, recorded accounts in a book. Although I can say we would have, um, back when I was working my dad's um, clothing retail, uh, well, not retail, sorry, um, dad, dad had a couple of secondhand clothing stores when I was a kid and we used to record the sales in a book. And, you know, I've worked for clients who still record their sales in a book. So obviously that still exists, but I'm talking about where back in the day where every single transaction used to be recorded in its own ledger book. So you'd have the sales ledger and the purchase ledger and you'd have a ledger for, you know, for the, for the bank accounts and, and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> um, but um, that doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore because we have software that does that. Um, and, you know, even people that don't use software, they tend to sort of use spreadsheets um, and that said there are still people that do the bookkeeping in a book but it's not double entry accounting it's just a, it'll be recording a single ledger so recording all the sales it might be recording the petty cash the ins and outs and things like that but it wouldn't be an entire bookkeeping double entry bookkeeping system that they're keeping there whereas once upon a time that's actually what it was and why do we record financial transactions in the first place? Is it because the ATO says we have to, or is there another reason why? Now, if you think back to a time when the ATO didn't actually exist, perhaps even Australia didn't exist, so we didn't need a tax office back, um, you know, actually the earliest signs that were ever found of bookkeeping were around, I think it was about 5,000 years ago. So we're talking like, you know, 
2000 BC sort of thing. So like many, many years ago, um, people used to keep their books. And when I say books, that's such a habit to say, but the people would take stock of their assets and what was owed to them and by them. And so that, you know, that it's been discovered that back in the day it was done with stones. So people would use stones to represent various, um, you know, assets and liabilities and that kind of thing. So that was a very, very long time ago, quite a primitive way of doing things. And then, um, you know, the next thing that was really discovered was that, you know, think um, that, you know, they'd keep a tally of things on it, on a, like a stone tablet, which was what they used to use, um, you know, like thousands, I'm talking thousands of years ago. And then in the, 11th century, um, that's when it was understood that double entry accounting, double entry bookkeeping, as it was called back then, was used in Egypt um, to keep a double entry bookkeeping system. And it's believed that it was the Jewish community that pioneered this. Um, in order to keep um, banking type records for lending money and that kind of thing. So the Italians are actually the ones that were given credit for double entry accounting. The first um, double entry accounting system uh, was developed by Italians, a number of Italians and uh, uh, Luca Pacioli, he's known to be the father. He's the person who we now recognise or know as the father of double entry accounting and bookkeeping. Now, he wasn't actually the first person to publish a work on double entry accounting. A man by the name of Martino Manucci um, kept the accounts for a company, kept the financial records for a company around the uh, 1300s. And then uh, uh, Luca Petroli um, basically, well, he, he, he collaborated with um, someone who you probably have heard of if you haven't heard of these two uh, men, which is um, Leonardo da Vinci and basically without going into too much details these guys really got together and did some serious mathematical <laughs> um, work which um, uh, is, is the basis for a lot of what we do now these days in, in double entry counting mathematics. Uh, so even though it was um, Amatino Manucci who was keeping, he was keeping the accounts of um, a prestigious company back in the time and but it was actually uh, Luca Patoli that came along and um, put it into um, a format that could be understood by others um, so that they could learn the way that those accounts were kept. <laughs> Are you still with me getting a little bit a little bit of a history uh, lesson here and um, I think it's good for us to have the foundation to have the understanding of where our profession has come from and so 
you know, the, the reason that accounts were kept all those, um, you know, years ago, we're talking like, I guess we're talking seven, <laughs> over 700 years ago, people were keeping accounts. And um, I found it quite funny. And I was, I was reading a book, I have mentioned this in another podcast, but um, I'm reading, I'm reading a book called The Reckoning. Um, yes, I'm still reading that. It's quite um, a detailed <laughs> historical book. So it takes me quite a while to get through things um, like that. But in, in this book, it talks about how back in the day they kept real time accounts. And so that's, I mean, the, the job of a bookkeeper was incredibly, um, like it was actually considered a prestigious role. And because, you know, the, the, the richest people in the world, um, you know, employed these bookkeepers to come and manage their companies and their banks and, and things like that. And so, it was really a full-time job. So basically the bookkeeper would hang around and just record the transactions as they happened. The double entry, the double side of um, each entry, they'd record it at the same time. And it kind of makes me laugh because today, you know, it's a bookkeeper's dream to have real-time accounts, right? So basically we're always striving towards getting real-time accounts. We've been promising our clients real-time accounts for many, many years. You know, I remember like, over 10 years ago, my boss was um, back in the accounting firm promising clients real-time accounts for their bookkeeping. And it would never happen because, you know, the client would be like a month behind sending their information in. So it just wasn't possible. Whereas today with Zero uh, and Receipt Bank and Bank Feeds and, um, you know, these, um, these softwares that en enable us to, to kind of link everything together, the gap is getting smaller and smaller. Like, so for example, the other day I was... Um, actually in receipt bank for the first time in quite a while i had to um uh, jump into the file and do a couple of things and so i saw a few um things in the you know the inbox and i actually uploaded a couple of receipts which i haven't done for a long time and it was quite interesting that the <laughs> well it wasn't really interesting but it just kind of took me by surprise because i remember you used to have to sometimes wait you know, eight hours or something, or sometimes even overnight, but really quite a long time for the receipts to upload. Whereas, so it didn't happen with all of them, but quite a few of them were up instantly. And I thought, oh my goodness, like it's getting, the gap is getting smaller. And I just think, how cool is this? You know, we are getting closer to real-time accounts, but still, you know, we're 24 hours behind in our bank feeds and, you know, real-time accounts are not there yet. Although I do see the gap getting smaller with the introduction of the blockchain technology. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I won't, oh gosh, this would be a whole other podcast, but blockchain technology basically allows you um, and, you know, will allow us and our clients to be able to do many transactions instantaneously, fully reconciled to the point where like there will be no need for a bookkeeper in recording that actual transaction. So just to give you a little bit of an example, I don't know if any of you have heard of David Martin, but he's the director at Power Ledger, which is a power company in WA, um, a company that is entirely on the blockchain. And I uh, did a blockchain course last year and um, got the opportunity to ask David a very burning question that I had, which I will 
um, hmm, maybe I should share that in a blog post. That would be really cool. Um, but anyway, just to not get off topic, uh, basically, um, David explained to me how PowerLedge is using the blockchain um, to, to basically have real-time accounts for electricity. So remember back in the day, we had to wait for the meter readers to come out. Well, those days are gone and they have these real-time live accounts. But anyway, the way that they are having um, their, you know, the, the way that their financial accounts um, actually work, it, you know, it completely closes that gap. And I don't see any way possible that that's not going to happen in the bookkeeping industry. Um, you know, if you can do it with electricity, you can do it with any transaction. So um, there are cases and examples of um, bookkeeping transactions happening. And there are platforms that already do this where you can send an invoice to a client and the, the invoice can instantly appear in their account and they can see it there. And then when they pay it, the payment goes instantaneously into their, into their account um, whilst simultaneously reconciling the transaction against the bank, against the um, closing of the inside, uh, invoice on both sides of the ledger, both for the client, uh, the customer and the seller. So that's the sort of, that's the power of blockchain technology, which, you know, um, a lot of people out there are quite skeptical about, but it is a real thing. And there are many companies and government organizations already using this to um, a great level. So, um, you know, blockchain's not just about uh, cryptocurrencies, but it's also a ledger. The blockchain is a ledger. Um, and it's a very interesting ledger to study um, and to learn about. And as a bookkeeper, if you don't know about blockchain, um, you should probably take at least a little bit of time to do a bit of research and learn about that because there are, you know, I don't know when this software will become really mainstream, but Australia is really one of the countries that is leading the way. Um, but it's kind of for a lot of people and a lot of industries, it's still sort of a little bit like a fringe technology, but it's really, you know, it is a, it is a growing industry. It's in its early stages, but, um, you know, the reality is that, um, blockchain makes real time accounts um, possible and it's only a matter of time until it starts to get more adopted in the mainstream, uh, and by the major software companies. Um, so I mean, obviously, Zero's denied that um, blockchain is anything. Um, but so I either think, well, like they either have their head buried in the sand and don't know what they're talking about, which I highly doubt. So I would suspect that they would have something up their sleeve would be more likely. Um, QuickBooks is already um, already using uh, the blockchain in, in, in some way. And um, yeah, there's a lot of software companies out there that are already using the blockchain. So that's, that's just a little side note um, to that, that relates to the topic that we're talking about here, because what we're talking about, um, I'm talking about real time accounts, but really I'm coming back to talk about um, the recording of transactions and the purpose of recording a trans transaction is about accountability. Um, it's about transparency um, it's not just about recording transactions. It's about under, it's, you know, the business allows a business owner to, um, 
get a snapshot of their financial position at any one time. Well, it will once the accounts are up to date and live. But, but if that's all bookkeeping is, then it doesn't matter if bookkeepers do their own bookkeeping. But if bookkeeping really is about transparency and accountability, then I believe that as bookkeepers that we should, um, yeah, like it's, it's really, you know, we need to be as transparent and accountable as the next business owner. I don't really see what makes us different just because we're bookkeepers. I think that... You know, like someone has made the argument to me before, but you know, like I'm sure that, you know, plumbers fix their own plumbing, but you know, plumbing isn't about transparency and accountability. Plumbing's about flushing your poo down the toilet. Like it's a completely different thing. Um, and so I think that it's important for bookkeepers to have transparency and accountability. And the reason why I think that we should have that is because of the two next reasons that I have of why bookkeepers shouldn't do their own bookkeeping. And so that, you know, this perfectly segues me into number two, which is um, to practice what we preach. Now, if we're telling, because as bookkeepers, we tell, we tell business owners all the time that they shouldn't do their own bookkeeping. And this is where the argument crops up. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not experts and they don't know what they're doing. And it's like, well, mm, okay. Like firstly, like, let's say the book, if the business owner was really good at bookkeeping, does that mean that they shouldn't have a bookkeeper? Well, I think when a business reaches a certain level, then it's time for transparency and accountability. When a business is in the startup phase, I mean, startup businesses do whatever they want anyway. Like I've never really met a startup business owner who um, like properly takes advice. Like they're sort of excited and things like that, but I find that startups don't really want to, um, necessarily you know take on the wisdom of people who are at a more advanced level they like to trial and error things for themselves and i don't think that's necessarily wrong because i think that's what kind of helps us to embed a strong foundation knowing that we worked it out for ourselves so um you know if as bookkeepers we are telling business owners that they shouldn't be doing their own bookkeeping and if we think that it's just because, you know, they don't know what they're doing, they don't know how to record transactions. Well, I can tell you that there actually are business owners out there that are completely smart enough to, to do their own transactions. We like to think that as bookkeepers, we're sort of like this special breed of human being that we're the only ones that know how to record financial transactions. And it, it isn't true. Um, okay. Yes. There's certain specializations in the industry that, you know, it's, it's good to have a bookkeeper who's experienced, um, you know, working on the accounts, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, business owners, whether they're able to do bookkeeping or not is completely not the point. Um, because bookkeeping is about transparency and accountability as well as all of the other benefits that bookkeeping is for. And you cannot have transparency and accountability if you don't have another second set of eyes on your accounts. And so that's why I believe that bookkeepers shouldn't uh, do their own bookkeeping because it lays by not doing our own bookkeeping, we get to um, practice what we preach. And when we practice what we preach, the cool thing is we start to actually know whether uh, what we're telling the client is, is correct or not. You know, if we, we might, um, 
you know, like we can say all sorts of things to a business owner and it could be, you know, we might, for example, tell them which software they should do, use. And that might be based on the fact that that's the best software for their business. Or it might be back based on the fact that that's the software we like using. So we're not necessarily always informed. And so I think once we start to, to practice what we preach, it, you know, it helps us to have a more solid foundation to be able to speak to a business owner with a full sense of integrity. And I know that integrity is something that we so value. And for me, you know, I felt that it's important, um, you know, if I'm telling a client to do something, I need to say, do what I do, not what I say. I don't want to be a hypocrite and what I want to do is demonstrate to the business owners that I work with, I'm a business owner just like you. And, you know, I have a bookkeeper. I know what it's like to have to hire a bookkeeper. I know what it's like to have a bookkeeper that doesn't know what they're doing. You know, I know what it's like to um, have a great bookkeeper and someone who does know what they're doing. And so what happens is by being willing to allow someone in, and this is giving me the perfect segue into number three, which is great, um, you know, um, it, it gives us the ability to, you know, to be able to step up to the next level where we become and we actually become an equal with that business owner. I'm not just a bookkeeper. I'm a business owner and I know what it's like. And so once you are able to reach that point, it gives you a huge amount of leverage with a business owner because they take you more seriously. Whereas if you, you know, if you don't run your business, like it's a business, you can't necessarily expect a business owner to take you seriously. Um, if you're going to be wanting to give them more advice, then this is how you code a transaction or this is how you you know, prepare a BAS statement. If you want to go beyond that, and not everybody does, and there's nothing wrong with that as well. Um, you know, not everyone wants to grow their business and that is actually fine. Um, I will even do it. I'm quite happy to do a podcast about that because I don't believe that everyone should be growing their business. Not everyone wants to grow their business. Not everybody needs to grow their business. But for those of you that have reached a point where you are running a practice you have a team um, or you're getting to the full up stage where you need to hire a team, you know, it's really something to consider. Um, you know, if you've already got staff, you're in the perfect position to be able to have one of your team members take over the practice bookkeeping, which brings me to number three, because I know you might be listening to this right now thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't want to ever let my staff, go into my accounts, there is a reason why. <laughs> what is the reason? Okay, I've had this conversation with other bookkeepers who still do their own bookkeeping. And so number three on my list is about letting go of control. It is scary. Oh my gosh, I would be lying if I, if I didn't say to you that it is it's scary to let somebody into your personal finances. I have left my phone on. Just give me a moment. <laughs> all good. All good. That was my very lovely um, marketing manager, Renee. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking to her this morning, but obviously I have to finish the podcast first. So um, where was I? So I was talking about letting somebody in to that place. Now, you know, when I first actually allowed my bookkeeper, my one of my, my bookkeeper who was working on my client work, when I let her to come in and work on our accounts, 
Like to me, that was scary because it's personal and, you know, we don't like to, um, you know, show everyone our, um, you know, our, our financial position, um, the balance of our bank account, our P&L, all of those things. And what it made me realise when I handed over to her, I realised on such a deep level, the amount of trust that my clients put into me. Now, I, I did have some clients back in the past that were quite closed and protective. There were only a couple and I didn't understand what was going on. I just thought they were weird. <laughs> um, whereas once I let somebody into my own accounts, I was able to see, um, wow, like many, many of my clients did not hesitate to let me straight into their finances. They trusted me and they weren't ashamed. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, even the clients that I've got now are just, you know, like, I mean, the, tr the all the clients I have now are, are very trusting people. They haven't hesitated to share, you know, lay it all out on the table and share everything openly. Whereas for me, it just, oh gosh, like it, it took me a little while, you know, like I will be completely honest here and I'm not exactly proud about this, but it wasn't until I got my Bass Agent registration in 2014 um, put in my application actually it was the start of 2015 um, that I actually submitted the application and when I put that in obviously so when you're a BAS agent you must have your accounts up to date and your tax returns and your BAS statements must all be up to date now I don't know if any of you have a family trust or any other entities and things like that but I, I kind of inherited I'd say um, I use that word lightly because it's it wasn't that someone died, but it, I I inherited let's say I inherited a problem, um, which was a family trust, which you know had all sorts of kind of baggage that came with it. And so for me, I had um, not kept um, the accounts up to date for that. So in order for me to get my BAS agent registration, I had to bring these accounts up to date. I reckon I was a decade behind in my accounts. It was just, it was one of those painful things that I wish I'd never got involved in. And it went in the too hard basket for a long time until I was confronted with the fact that I needed to do it. Now that said, it's not like I never gave it any thought. That stupid family trust produced so much anxiety in me in the background. I was always thinking, oh my gosh, like the ATO is going to contact me. And I just, you know, for me being a bookkeeper and knowing that my accounts weren't up to date, like that was a horrible feeling. And I lived like that for way too long, just putting it aside, pretending that I didn't, you know, oh, I just won't think about it, just avoiding it and thinking, oh, well, there's not much in it and all that kind of stuff. But it was a, like, it was quite a lot of work to get that all up to date. So I had to get all of that up to date in quite a short period of time so I could become a BAS agent. Oh my gosh, I would never want to go back there again. But on some level that gave me some empathy, you know, with my clients who get so behind. Cause I see, you know, like bookkeepers are posting in Facebook groups all the time, like basically going, oh my gosh, like I can't believe this person's so behind and things like that. And, you know, I think until you've been there, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, I mean, obviously you don't have to have been there to, to show empathy towards people, but it definitely helps. It definitely helps when you can say to someone, look, I've been in this situation, you know, I've seen a lot of other people in this situation and it's just reality. Sometimes things are, are too painful to confront, especially, um, you know, when families involved and things, you know, um, have happened in the past and, you know, all sorts of things. Like sometimes there's just stuff that's too painful. You just don't want to go there. And so I've been in that position myself and I've gotten, you know, oh gosh, I don't even want to relive it. But anyway, here I am talking about it. So, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a cool journey about, you know, understanding the place of accounting and understanding that just because I'm a good bookkeeper doesn't mean that I should be doing on my bookkeeping and understanding the underlying subtle um, torment of knowing that you're not practicing what you're preaching. And that the reason that you're not doing that is because there's a control issue going on. Like, yeah, it's just one of those things. And I've spoken to a number of my clients about, you know, having them hand over their bookkeeping and, they'll flat out tell me I'm too much of a control freak. (laughs) There's no way I'd let someone into my accounts. And I'm just going to say right now that, you know, like I'm not going to judge anyone for being a control freak. Like, you know, I've been there and, you know, I think control freak is actually quite a derogatory word. Like it's, it's not a very nice thing to say about somebody else or yourself. Really. I don't think that anyone is necessarily a control freak except for like proper psychopaths, I guess. Um, Like, you know, people that actually have personality disorders or whatever. But I'm talking about, um, you know, I don't think we should label ourselves as control freaks. I think what happens is, you know, as I said, it's painful. It's shameful. It can be embarrassing you don't want to know like, and so for me, even after I started the bookkeeping business and I've already shared this before, even after, so I got all of that sorted out, but I can tell you, you know, in my first year of bookkeeping, I think my, I think I made like, I think my income was around a thousand dollars a month in my first year. Um, It wasn't a full year, it was sort of like nine months or something like that. And then in my second year, um, you know, that's when I brought on all the clients until I got up to about 11K a month. And so even though, you know, I got my income up to really decent income, you know, like for that time, um, I just... Like I never used to look at my P&L and I remember when I actually did and I realised at the end of that second financial year that I'd not only spent all my profit but I'd spent $30,000 of my husband's um, wages on the business like my spending had gotten out of control and I can tell you like I don't have a wardrobe full of shoes or any fancy furniture or anything like that my shopping addiction was um, software programs I wanted to just try every single software program in the world I was having a lot of fun at the time I thought it was fun and then I realized it's actually not that fun (laughs) and then you kind of get sick of it and you know the excitement of learning the new softwares wears off Um, and I found myself with a lot less money than what I'd actually earned and that was embarrassing too you know that was around it was around that point that I had to invite a bookkeeper in to look at my accounts Um, and I had a couple of bookkeepers that worked for me during that period and, um, you know, trying to find the right one. And, you know, to me, 
Like that was, that was hugely embarrassing. Like to think I'm earning all this money, but there's no money in the bank. And then looking at my P&L and going, oh my gosh, like what have I done? And, you know, I remember having to approach my husband and he was very, very understanding. Um, I don't think that money has gone to waste because a lot of what I've learned from that, not just the experience, but also, you know, I have learned a lot about various software integrations and things like that. So I just put it down to training and experience and, you know, um, and so to be able to, um, you know, learn from that has been great. And so anyway, obviously you can tell this is something that I do feel quite passionate about. You know, you might be listening and thinking, well, you know, that's just your opinion. That's just your, your personal experience. That's what works for you. And in a way that is true, you know, like I'm not here to, to judge anyone or make them feel bad. I guess who I'm speaking to is the people that actually already feel bad. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, if you sort of think like, oh, I, like I don't care, like it's not important to me that I'm doing, that I'm outsourcing my bookkeeping. I don't feel that that lacks integrity for me and my clients. And for some people it might not, like you might, you know, for you, it might, you might be cool to go with the whole, you know, plumber, what is it? Plumber's no fixer or toilets or something. That's kind of gross. Um, I'll think of a better example, Amy. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like a chef doesn't cook at home. That's that's probably a bit of a nicer one. So chef doesn't cook at home. Um, like that's actually legitimate and it's cool. And, you know, it's not, it's actually not wrong. And you might be at the stage in business where it doesn't really matter anyway. But, um, you know, I guess who I'm talking to is those, you know, I would say if you're really fearful, of, like if you cringe when I, if you cringed when I said, um, let someone else do your own bookkeeping, um, like if you cringe, there's something going, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to assert <laughs> that you, um, there's something going on there. And so, you know, like, I think you might actually benefit from that. Like, I think what happens is when we start to feel really uncomfortable about something, when we, you know, try and come up with lots of ways to defend ourselves against something, maybe there's something going on there. You know, if you're a person who does feel uncomfortable that you're saying one thing to a client, but not doing it yourself, then I definitely recommend that you give it a shot. Um, you know, I think that it will add a huge depth to your business and, you know, it will deepen your range of experience as a business owner to be able to connect with your clients on a deeper level and, and to be able to take that I'm a business owner just like you approach and to be able to build your credibility with them. Um, you know, I it's something that I recommend for, you know, anyone who's at that level, Um just give it a go. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, my bookkeeper works like maximum 10 hours a month. So she works for me at Savvy. Um, and she also works on my off the hook bookkeeping clients, which is outside of that 10 hours. So that's a separate agreement. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, I still lodge the bass. My bookkeeper is not a bass agent, but, um, I still lodge the bass, um, at the end of the quarter. So I still, you know, I still review her work, have a bit, like a bit of a quick check, but I don't really do it in a lot of detail, to be honest. Like I just have a quick overview of the detailed GST report and check the P&L and the balance sheet and, and you know, and, and the payroll reports and that's it. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope this has been helpful. I'd love to hear back from you, whether you love the idea or hate it or somewhere in between, or maybe you liked bits and pieces of it, or maybe you're struggling with, um, you know, letting go of control. Maybe you're struggling with labeling yourself a control freak when you just need to give yourself a little bit of a break and be kind to yourself. Um, 
you know, I'd love to know your thoughts about this. So please post in the Facebook group, send me an email if you want to. I gave my email away on last week's episode. If you want to have a listen to that uh, week, um, month seven of the bookkeeping project, so you can have a listen. Um, apart from that, I think that's everything. Um, I will have a guest on next week, which is exciting. We're going to have Tony Hughes, who is a, He's, I guess I would say he's a mentor to, to, to salespeople around Australia and even around the world. So he's going to come in and talk to us about building a sales pipeline and his um, yeah, particular method of selling that he likes to do. Um, so that should give us some encouragement. So anyway, thank you for joining me again. Uh, it's been lovely spending time with you today and I will see you again next week. I won't see you. Uh, you won't even see me, but you'll hear my voice. And... Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so make sure you subscribe to get future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And if you love this episode, jump on and leave us a review. Are you looking for some resources to help build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook page or head to our website, thesavvybookkeeper.com.au. Until next time, stay savvy.